They're overrated. This guy's a future MVP. They need to blow it up. Pay this guy. The regular season matters. He's mediocre. Your opinion's wrong. Welcome to Mediocre Sport Opinion. Hello, welcome to our podcast. This is episode 12, and this week we're going to be going over the NFL Week 4 and also previewing Week 5. We didn't come out with an NFL Weekly, as we usually do. Last week we were kind of busy with homework and stuff, so we just took a little bit of a week off. But we're excited to be back here again, giving you our predictions and reviewing the last week in the NFL. So the main headline we saw from week four was COVID. The Titans got kind of hammered with it. I think they had 18 total cases, and I think eight of them were players. And then we also saw Cam Newton on Saturday, the day before their game with the Chiefs. He was diagnosed with COVID, so that one had to be pushed back. But we're starting to see that COVID could have an impact on the season. Hopefully it doesn't get too severe, but what are your guys' takes on coronavirus and how it could affect the NFL. I personally really liked how uh, the NFL got control over it and kind of it's like we're going to delay the games but not we're not going to completely postpone them just move them back some so I thought they did a great job there. We all knew it was going to be not if COVID affected but when so it's good that it kind of started earlier instead of late in the season because it's and late in the season what it got impacted then could have seen what the NBA started to do and that and football just wouldn't really mesh very well together. Yeah, we also saw the NFL tighten down on their protocols, which we like to see. But obviously some coaches weren't wearing masks and stuff, and they're definitely keeping that. There's there's no tolerance. You wear a mask on the sideline if you're a coach, and if you don't, you're going to get a hefty fine, or even your franchise could suffer penalties. So it's good to see the NFL tighten down on it. Yeah, they sent out another memo talking about how they will take away draft picks. One team that's not really doing a good job with all these protocols is the Raiders. Darren Waller threw a fundraiser, and everybody who was there was not wearing a mask, and they all got fined. And Gruden's, they, the Raiders have just broken so many protocols so far, and if anybody's going to lose a draft pick or something like that, it's going to be them. And then we also missed out on a pretty good game with the Titans and Steelers, both being 3-0. It was unfortunately pushed back. I believe they're playing in playing in week eight now, and then they just, just adjusted it to the bye weeks. The Steel- Some of the Steelers players were kind of mad because they didn't understand what was going on at first, like if this, if this was their bye week or not. So the NFL just has to be better in doing that next time. So is it their bye, both their teams' bye? So that means they're both playing the rest of the season, what, 13 straight games now? Yeah. So yep. we'll see if that has an impact on either of them. But they both said that... They don't see it as a problem, but we'll see. Now, moving on, we're going to go over some games from week four that we thought were pretty good games and interesting. We're going to start off with the Chargers and Bucks game. The Bucks won that one. Now, diving into the week four games, we're going to get it started off with the Buccaneers and Chargers. The Buccaneers took this one 38-31 despite trailing at trailing 24-7 at one point. Yeah, Tom Brady didn't really look that good in the first half. Their team wasn't moving the ball. 
But the second half, they came back and played really well against the Chargers. Yeah, and we also saw Brady spread the ball around to a lot of different people. Howard scored, Miller scored, Keyshawn Vaughn scored. They all scored receiving touchdowns, and I think it was good to see Tom Brady, like he usually does, spread the ball around and, and get guys involved. Yeah, um, as Aiden was saying earlier, Tom Brady did not play very good, throwing a pick six the first half, but then at a halftime, making those adjustments, he came out and started doing his Tom Brady thing, came back, won it, threw five different touchdown passes to five different wide receivers and running backs. Tom Brady just looks like he's starting to get into his groove down there in Tampa Bay and is, I think they'll be a force to be reckoned with the rest of this NFL season. Now from the Chargers' side, uh, they lost Austin Eckler early in this game. Herbert looked good early in this game, and then it kind of fell apart for them in the second half. Yeah, none of their running backs were effective once Eckler got out. I believe Joshua Kelly only had like seven carries for 10 yards, and also Justin Jackson did not do that well, too, after Eckler got injured. So they just weren't able to move the ball and extend the time really in the second half, which is a key factor in why they lost. Yeah, time of possession was definitely low for them, which contributed to the Buccaneers then having the ball most of the second half and being able to come back. But I think Justin Herbert still looked good. He looked impressive. Do you guys think he should be their starter moving forward? Yeah, I think he's pretty much earned that starting job. He's looked really impressive in the games that he has started in. He's been close against two really good teams. Yeah, both those heartbreaking losses. Yeah, both games that they're winning at one point. They're winning against the Chiefs, and they're winning against the Buccaneers. And they really just they blew it. But, yeah, he's looking really good so far. Yeah, I think Justin Herbert should be a starter here. Uh, I've thought that for a while now. I just think the way he's coming out and playing as a rookie, he's just looked so far pretty well. The only rookie quarterback looks like it's been doing the best, better than him, is uh, Joe Burrow, which is which is expected because Joe Burrow is a phenomenal football player. But Justin Herbert and this team is definitely going to get pretty pretty good once this uh, season keeps going because they're going to start figuring each other out and Justin Herbert's going to figure out more about how the NFL and how they play so I think the Chargers if not coming into the rest of this season but next season are definitely going to be uh, a contender yeah this was definitely a fun game and both of these teams have primetime games next week the Bucks playing uh, Thursday night football and the Chargers playing Monday night football so Okay, moving on to the next game of the week that we wanted to talk about. We're going to be talking about the Chiefs-Patriots that took place on Monday night, and the Chiefs won that one 26-10. Brian, uh, the Patriots had two quarterbacks playing that one. Brian Hoyer played most of the first half, and then we saw Stidham in the second half. Their offense just looked bad the whole game, and but the Chiefs also didn't look too good. Their offense struggled. Their offense did struggle mightily. Um... I believe what was the final score again? You said twenty-six to ten. Yeah, twenty-six to ten, and three, seven of those points were on from pick six that stood him through. So their offense did not look that well. Mahomes didn't look like his usual self. Tyreek Hill did have a decent game, but they really weren't able to get the ground game going with Clyde Edwards-Helaire. Yeah, I definitely think this would have been a completely different game had Cam Newton played. I think that definitely would have made this a closer score and you could have maybe seen the Patriots end up upsetting the Chiefs in this one. And the Patriots also didn't like run the ball horribly, but also, yeah, talk to Julian Edelman. He had some key drops there, especially one of the pick sixes. It went right through his hands and right into the defenders. That was his fault there, not Stidham's at all. 
But yeah, I really need Elman to step up if Cam's going to be out for another week. Following that Chiefs and Patriots game was the Packers and Falcons. The Packers won pretty handily, 30-16. to 16. Aaron Rodgers was throwing the ball to so many different receivers. Robert Tanyan had a really good day, catching three touchdowns. And I believe the leading reception leader on that team was Jamal Williams, their second-string running back. And yeah, they were just throwing it to everybody there because they're out. They don't have Lazard or Adams. And yeah, they're just throwing the ball around and they're looking like one of the best teams in the NFC. Yeah, definitely. The Packers have impressed me for sure this year. Their offense just looks so smooth and clean. And it doesn't really matter if they've had Devontae Adams or now Alan Lazard's out. They're just, they just spread the ball around to a lot of different guys and, and a different guy steps up seemingly every week for them. Yeah, this Packers team, uh, I can see now why they didn't draft someone that they could play now that they absolutely needed, a wide receiver or anything like that, because they're going out. They're 4-0 right now. They're playing extremely well. I think they're in power rankings for the NFL. They're number two, which I would agree with. They are being a really good team. Um, this Packers team is probably gonna is a, one of the top contenders in the NFC. Yeah, don't forget about their defense as well. It's looked good this year overall. Darius Smith had a big game yesterday, having two sacks. They've always been an underrated defense. Jair Alexander is looking like one of the best corners in the NFL. Yeah, he shut down Calvin Ridley yesterday. Didn't even allow him to get one reception the whole game. They did have some injuries in the secondary, so hopefully for them, they're not severe. I don't think they are, but it's worth watching. All right, and then I think we're just going to move on to our awards for the week. So, as if you all remember, recall... Um, we have a Pat McAfee Award, and then we have a Peterman Award. So first, I think we're going to talk about the Peterman Award. This week's Peterman Award is going to go to the Cowboys' defense, really. Um, they played like shit. Um, they also, they, the Cowboys were trailing once again, which caused the offense to throw the ball over 50 times once more. Yeah, this Cowboys' defense looked really bad this week. They gave up 49 points. They didn't give up a ton of yards, but they just couldn't stop the Browns from getting in the end zone. And their secondary has been torched all season, and it continued on Sunday. Yeah, this Cowboys team as a whole I thought was going to be decent. Their offense is pretty elite, I think, coming just looking at it and how they played the last couple of weeks. Um, I understand that the reason it looks so elite is because their defense has given up points and they've had to throw the ball instead of getting Zeke the ball and having them running around. Yeah, Zeke only had like 12 attempts that game, which is unacceptable if he's one of the top three running backs in the league. Exactly. Uh, they got to get Zeke more involved in this team if they want us come out and actually win the division, which their division is pretty shit, so they could still probably could do that. But coming down to this Cowboys defense just has to start playing better. Yeah, we have to three total wins in the NFC East this year. And speaking of the Cowboys, I just want to see them get a lead in the game and then see if they can put it away with Zeke. Another thing to watch with the Cowboys is that I believe Jordan Lewis, one of their top cornerbacks, did get injured in that game. So some honorable mentions for the Peterman this week would be Patriots quarterback Brian Hoyer, he started the game against the Chiefs. He had 130 yards and threw an interception. Yeah, he just looked horrible. Um, he was getting ripped on a lot by on Twitter by halftime, which led to Stidham coming in, but it's not like Stidham did any better technically. He did throw two interceptions. One of them was on Julian Edelman, though, and the other one he was just trying to force something late in game, force something downfield, so... 
It's also worth mentioning that Brian Hoyer didn't have like a full week to prepare for this. He was kind of thrown into the starting role a couple days before the game. So that may have been a factor that affected his play, but still. Another factor for just the whole Patriots team is that they flew to Kansas City Monday. They weren't there. They weren't preparing or like they weren't really practicing really. They were doing all the COVID tests and all that. And they flew there Monday and played Monday, which is not really common. Yeah, it's a completely different game plan when you're planning to have Cam Newton as your quarterback. You're going to install a lot of different things than you would if you had Brian Hoyer as your quarterback. So I think that was definitely a key factor in this one. Yeah, I think this Patriots team uh, without Cam Newton is not a top team anymore or not a team that's going to go out and win more than 500% of their games. Uh, it's just looked bad. They, I can see why they wanted Cam Newton to be their starter uh, if Cam Newton doesn't come back for the next week or the week after that, I think it's going to be a tough, be a tough road for them if they want to make the playoffs. Yeah, Patriots definitely need Cam Newton back. And so the other honorable mention we have for the Peterman is going to be Nick Mullins, 49ers quarterback. He got benched in this game. The 49ers offense didn't look too good outside of George Kittle. So just a disappointing game from Mullins. And C.J. Befford looked pretty good. I think he went like 7 for 9 after he replaced Mullins. So we'll see what happens there with the starting job. But I believe Jimmy Garoppolo is questionable for this week, so we'll see if he suits up or not. Yeah, the 49ers also have a tough schedule ahead, so they definitely need Jimmy back as their quarterback if they're going to be competitive this year. Because they're sitting at 2-2 two and two right now. They're coming off a bad loss to the Eagles, and, and that could totally turn their season around. Now moving on to our McAfee Award. Uh, this week's McAfee Award for us is going to Joe Mixon. He helped the Bengals win their first game this year and guys' first touchdowns of the season. Yeah, Mixon in this one had 25 carries for 151 yards and two rushing touchdowns. Also had six catches and a receiving touchdown. He was a huge factor for them in this game. I'm glad they used him a lot more than they have this year. He can definitely help Joe Burrow out when Burrow's getting pressure or needs a little check down and he just takes a lot of pressure off in the run game as well yeah joe nixon had an outstanding game i think if the Bengals want to come out and win more games they have to use them how they did this week but that's putting a lot on joe nixon a lot of workload there so we'll just have to see how things come through for this Bengals team an honorable mention we also have for the mcafee award is we already talked about it's tom brady lead that comeback against the chargers throwing for five touchdowns he played very well that game and yeah, he has a big game Thursday night. Yeah, we saw a throw, uh, throwback Tom Brady in this one. We kind of saw him put up a stat line that he used to. Don't really see it much anymore, but he looked really impressive and was probably the key factor in them coming back in that one. Final honorable mention for week four goes to Odell Beckham. He had a huge game for the Browns, scored three total touchdowns and had 150 total yards, 81 of those receiving and 73 rushing. Yeah, he had that crazy run play to pretty much seal the victory for him. I don't know what the Cowboys were doing there. I guess they don't really know how to tackle, but yeah, that run sealed the game for him, and Odell Beckham looked like his old self. Yeah, I like how the Browns utilized him in a lot of different ways in this game. Like, they gave him some carries. He he just felt like he was utilized in different ways than he has before, and they definitely need him in their offense. Yeah, Odell had a crazy, crazy uh, performance this last week. Um, his... Last rushing touchdown where the uh, Browns did that reverse there. Uh, Cowboys should have easily had him there with um, their uh, 
edge there. Uh, Smith just missed that tackle, which led to Od- Odell going down the field, running around some people, which was pretty good. Uh, Odell coming up is going to be probably a big factor in this Browns offense. So if he can keep performing like this, I think the Browns are going to be pretty pretty well set coming forward. We also saw the Browns in this one utilize their two former LSU wide receivers in a play together. Jarvis Landry got the jet sweep and he threw it down to Odell for a touchdown. So I think I think they definitely need to utilize more stuff like that. Just creative plays that get them big plays down the field. Yeah, that was a really good throw by Jarvis Landry. Whenever he throws it, it looks really good and he can definitely sling it out there. Maybe he should take over at quarterback for the Browns. Uh, maybe not. Um, after this week was over, one big news that did come out was that Bill O'Brien was relieved of his duties as head coach and GM of the Texans. I've kind of figured this was going to happen, but I was a little bit surprised it came so early. In my opinion, it's pretty much the downfalls of him being the GM that's affecting his coaching. What seemed to be the problem was the locker room was not with him at all. He was a big proponent in bringing Earl Thomas in, and the locker room kind of like flat out rejected it, which led to even more rift than there already was with the Hopkins and everything else situation. Yeah, the O'Brien firing was more of a matter of when, not if, and the Texans did it in week four, and I think it was a good move for them to do it sooner rather than later because Deshaun's play, I think, was affected by Bill O'Brien and not having Hopkins and just the moves he made as a GM. So I'm going to be interested to see how Romeo Cornell, the interim head coach, kind of steps in and, and how Deshaun improves over the year. Yeah, I uh, think this is a good move by the Texans here, getting rid of him. Uh, just as, as Ada said, his GM role and his head coaching role did not match very well together. And it's just, it just was kind of hard for that team to find a fit and what kind of style they want to be. And then definitely by the offseason, even though they don't have their first-round draft picks, this is probably going to be the most attractive job out there because you have a Deshaun Watson as your QB. Then you also still have J.J. Watt on the defense. I think it's going to be interesting to see what else happens with coaches in the NFL. I think Adam Gaze is going to get fired at some point. If I were the Jets, I would fire him within two weeks or so. I need to see Sam Darnold without him because if they do really bad this year, which they are, they're going to have to make a decision with Sam Darnold or draft Trevor Lawrence. But I would want to see Darnold without Adam Gaze to make that call. Another guy we might see out as head coach is Atlanta Falcons coach Dan Quinn. They started, they've started started 0-4 this year. They've blown, blown some big leads. And his defense, he's a defensive-minded guy, and his defenses have just never looked impressive. Yeah, the Atlanta Falcons haven't looked very good since their Super Bowl loss there. It's just kind of hard for them to... I guess for me at least to see why they aren't uh, coming out and producing. They've had leaves, they've blown up, they've blown leads, and it's just kind of been like, all right, the something here needs to change. It's just time for someone to move. Yeah, I also think a part of it's also I just don't think they've like had a really good offensive coordinator too. They cycled through Steve Sarkeesian, and now they have Derek Cutter. Derek Cutter. And I just don't believe in any of the coordinators that he's hired on the offense to help really improve and show they have one of the best receiving cores in the game and they can't utilize them correctly. Another coach that might be fired, it's probably going to be Matt Patricia. He's doing very bad right now. I don't know, the Lions are just like a boring team really to watch and stuff, and their defense isn't doing that well. Yeah, I saw an interesting thing this morning. Dan Orlovsky, he was a former Lions quarterback. He came on 
the air and said that basically Caldwell wasn't the problem there and that moving on from Caldwell was a mistake and that Patricia hiring probably wasn't the best hiring for them and they were fine without Patricia. So that was kind of interesting for me to see and I can see I could see that being the case. Yeah, uh, Patricia's performance as a head coach for the Lions, it's been boring. They haven't really done anything super crazy. I think they had a losing record ever since he's been there, right? Yeah, so it's just, uh, I don't know. They got to do something different here. It's either Patricia or some kind of major move this offseason just to get a little more um, huge plays or big plays or not even just a, some kind of spectacular player on that team. Well, they need to just hire an offensive mind, I think. See what that offense can really do. I like their GM and Bob Quinn. I think he's a really good GM, but I think he's definitely going to have to fire Patricia, and I think they're going to have to go for once an offensive-minded coach. Because if you think about the last three coaches that they have, we're not offensive-minded. Schwartz, Caldwell, and Patricia were all defensive-minded coaches. So I want to see him get an offensive-minded coach. Do you guys think that the Lions should start considering a new quarterback, or do you think they should continue with Stafford? They should consider it, but I believe he's still on that extension, so I don't know how flexible they can get with that. I'd like to see him, because I think there's a ton of good quarterbacks this year in this draft class, so I'd like to see him maybe do it, but I don't know with Stafford's contract. Yeah, I definitely think it's probably now would be a good time to start entertaining the fact because they're like Ian said there are good quarterbacks and it's it's time to kind of move on and and make the Lions have a new face of their franchise and just see what they can do without Stafford yeah I don't think Stafford as a whole is that off of a player he hasn't really had um that many players to kind of mesh with him I would say in a way but then again their defense isn't hasn't really been the greatest either so it's just Stafford has a huge contract. So, as Aiden said, there's tons of uh, quarterbacks in this draft. So, I don't know if maybe they take one, have them sit the bench, ride Stafford for another year and see what happens if they can get rid of Patricia and see if that has anything to do with it. But I guess it's just kind of a half dozen either way for me. Yeah, it's not like their offense is actually terrible. Like, their personnel technically isn't terrible if you think about it. For running backs, they have Swift and Kerryon Johnson. And then I think Kenny Galladay is by far the most underrated receiver in the NFL. He gets no love out there. And one of the reasons why is because Stafford's throwing the ball. And Stafford's like, I he's not average. I say he's just barely like the low average, but he's always like that. He's like consistently like that. He's never really taken that step that proves to us that why he was the number one pick back when he was. Yeah. In my opinion, Stafford isn't the main problem with that team. It's definitely their defense, but like Aiden said, Stafford's never taken the next step, and maybe that is because he hasn't had the weapons around him. Like, he lost Calvin Johnson, and they were good when they had Calvin Johnson and Stafford for a couple years there. And when you take him away, Stafford was just never really able to take this team to the next level. Now, looking ahead to Week 5, we're going to give you guys some of our predictions for the big game slash primetime games this week. So starting it off, we're going to go with the Thursday night game, which is Buccaneers and Bears. Parker, who do you like in this one? I like the Bucs in this one. Uh, the Bears, to me, just don't have the quarterback situation figured out. Uh, I their def- The Bears' defense is pretty pretty good. It's not great, but it's, it's pretty good. Uh, it's just Tom Brady has been in the league for so long. 
He's seen so many different things and has so many different weapons on this Buccaneers team. I just don't see why the Buccaneers aren't going to win this one. And I have them going 35-21. to 21. I think this game's going to be pretty close. I think Nick Foles will be able... I think he'll perform very well in this primetime game. He performs really well against Brady. Um, one thing to watch out for, I think the, why the Buccaneers are going to win... I, I have the Buccaneers winning by three. I have the final score being 20-23. to 23. But one reason why I think it's going to be close is because of the offensive line for Tampa Bay. They're going to have their hands full with Khalil Mack... Robert Quinn. Akeem Hicks. Akeem Hicks. So, yeah, their offensive line, like, their tackles aren't really that good at all. Their interior is really good, but their tackles are bad, and I think they're going to get taken advantage of this Thursday night by Khalil Mack. But I still think the Buccaneers will come up up top. They still have Brady. He'll do his thing. It'll be interesting to see what the running game is going to be like. Sounds like Fournette's questionable. We'll see if what Ronald Jones can do. Mike Evans is also questionable for this coming up week. Uh, not really sure what's going to happen there. And then also, uh, is Chris Goodwin still out with the hamstring? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think Chris Godwin's going to play this week either. They're kind of taking that precautiously. And also, O.J. Mayo's out. So Tom O.J. Brady, Howard. O.J. Yeah, Howard, not yeah. Mayo. My bad. Mayo was a baller. <laughs> <laughs> no, O.J. Howard tore his Achilles last week, so they won't have him. But they still have Gronk, of course, so. And Cam Brate still, too, who caught a touchdown a couple weeks ago. And from looking, I don't think Mike Evans is going to sit out this week. I think it was just a mild ankle sprain, so I think he'll come back and be, be here to play for next week. Like uh, Aiden and Parker, I also have the Bucks. I have them 27-12. to 12. I think it's a close game in the first half and start of the third, but I think the Bucks are going to pull away in the second half. Brady usually does. Uh, fourth quarter is usually when he's able to pull away, and I don't think Nick Foles plays that well this week. Another game that's happening for week five is uh, two undefeated teams facing each other. You have the 4-0 Bills going against the 3-0 Titans. It's going to be a slow kind of game, I think, especially with both styles. They both like to run the ball a lot. The Bills' defense is really good, and the Titans' defense isn't looking horrible either. But in this one, I have the Bills winning 24-17. I think the Bills' defense is just too much for Tannehill. I think the Bills have the best defense in the NFL, and I think they're going to show it in this game. Yeah, I have the Bills 31-28 to in this game. Josh Allen looking like an MVP candidate for the Bills. I think the Bills, personally, are the second-best team in the AFC. They've just impressed everybody. Their defense is good. Their offense is good. But the Titans do always play close games, and they're always in pretty much every game they play. So I think this is going to be a tight game to the finish. Yeah, this game uh, between the Bills and Titans is definitely going to be a game to watch for this upcoming week. I have the Bills winning this. I just feel like Josh Allen's going to come out and outperform Tannehill and that uh, Titans offense. Josh Allen, is a to me, is an MVP candidate right now, and I think if he can keep playing the way he is, that the Titans are not the Titans, but the Bills are going to come out and just kind of not really roll them over, but win with a substantial lead of 31 to 26. Also, Stephon Diggs is looking like the second best offseason move so far this year. He's really impressed so far ever since he's been on the Bills. Some people were worried about if he was only getting, he was looking really good only because of those play actions in Minnesota, but he's truly looking like a number one wide receiver here in Buffalo. Yeah, that trade's looking good for both teams right now, so Diggs is definitely impressed. One thing is to note is that the Titans could come out kind of sloppy. They didn't get a practice all last week, and they just returned to their facility, I think, yesterday or today. 
So you might see them be, come out a little sloppy, but that might not have a major impact in the game, though. Yeah, another thing to also look out for is the Bills. They might be looking more towards their next game instead of this one. Because after this game, they're going to be playing a big Thursday night game against the Chiefs, and they might be just looking forward to that more. Like, the Chiefs were looking forward to the Ravens game, and they almost lost to the Chargers. So we could see a slip-up in this one for the Bills. Another game that's happening at, like, 3.30, 3.15-ish is two 3-1 teams going against each other. You have the Colts, who look like to have the best defense in the NFL. It's kind of surprising going against the Browns, who are on a three-game winning streak, coming off a really good win against the Cowboys. In this one, I just think the Colts' defense is going to be too much. I see Baker Mayfield struggling, since now he's going to be going against a really good defense. Because the games that he has won, he's gone against really bad defenses. And when he did go against a good defense in the Ravens, they only scored six points. So I have the Colts winning 24-10. to Yeah, this matchup coming up here is going to be a big test for this Browns uh, team here. If they can somehow come out and win against, I think, the number one ranked team, number one ranked defense in the NFL right now in the Colts, I think the Browns team can almost be considered elite. Not quite quite elite, but I think they're going to be they could be considered elite because just how well they play. And, and if they can do that against this Colts defense, if they can come out and win, it's going to be quite uh, be quite a season for them. I personally don't think it's going to happen. I have the Colts winning this one, 23-17. I also like the Colts in this one, 27-21. Like both uh, Parker and Aiden said, the Colts' defenses look so good this year, despite not having Darius Leonard the last couple games. And Phillip Rivers has done enough at quarterback to just keep those young guys in line. Jonathan Taylor's played well and just commanding that offense. Yeah, Xavier Rhodes looking like an all-pro again. I believe he was the top-ranked PFF corner so far throughout the first four weeks, and he had another big game last week. Yeah, the Vikings fans love to hear Xavier Rhodes is playing well after we basically said goodbye and signed a cheap deal with the Colts, but he has looked very good, a pick six last week. Um, Sunday night game is going to be the Seahawks and Vikings. Um, it could be a pretty close game. We'll see. Depends on how the Vikings secondary performs. Sounds like they're going to be without, Vikings will, will be without Neil Hunter for the rest of the season, so that'll be a big blow to them. I have the Seahawks winning this. I have them winning 34-23. to Yeah, this one's definitely going to be high scoring, I think. I like the Vikings 41-38, Dan Bailey with a 51-yard game winner. They need this game. The Vikings need this game. If they fall to 1-4, and four, I think it's going to be difficult for them to try to make the playoffs. So if they can go out in Seattle and win this one, it's going to be a huge momentum boost for them. And it's it, it's just it's going to be come down to their cornerbacks and their defense, really. The Seahawks have looked like they can score whenever they want, and the Vikings are going to have to get stops. But they could win a shootout. Yeah, um, this game here is going to be definitely another one to watch. Uh, it's a primetime game. We all know that Kirk Cousins doesn't play the greatest in primetime games, but I think he's going to come out and play. The Seahawks defense isn't that it's going to be interesting to see if Jamal Adams plays or not because he was out the last week. Is he questionable? or I'm not completely sure. I think he is going to be questionable. But if he plays, it's going to be a really big piece for that Seahawks defense, yeah. especially stopping the run against Dalvin Cook. Yeah, exactly. If they can stop the run against Dalvin Cook and they have to make Kirk Cousins throw it, it's going to be hard for this uh, Vikings team to come out and win. But there's not going to be any fans there, so they won't have all that extra noise and how loud it is there at that Seahawks. So that's another thing to you have to – factor into this but I think I like the Vikings here and they just came off a win so they've had the taste of it and they want more so I have them winning 
37 to 33. Then in the Monday night game, you have Saints in another primetime game going against the Chargers. Um, this one's going to be interesting, I think. It'll be interesting to see how Drew Brees does against that Chargers defense. It is worth knowing that Michael Thomas looks like he won't be playing in this game either, but the Chargers will also be without Eckler. That being said, though, I have the Chargers winning 27-24. I like the Saints in this Monday night battle, 30-25. The Chargers without Eckler looked like a completely different team in their loss to the Buccaneers, and I think he's kind of a big part of that offense, and without him, teams can kind of channel in on Herbert and they don't have as effective of a run game and they don't have receivers that can catch the ball in the backfield as much. And I, I just like Drew Brees in this one. I mean, he's a winner. He's won his whole career and it's hard to bet against Drew Brees. Yeah. This uh, game here, I have the saints winning 35 to 31 um, with Michael Thomas being out. That's something they can get over. They've gotten over it from the past, pretty much the past four weeks. Uh, Alvin Kamara has came out and just shined like he should. Even with uh, Jared Cook being out last week, they still came out with the win. So I think the Saints are going to come out and win this game. Justin Herbert is playing against a pretty well veteran defense, I would say. Uh, so I think it might be a little difficult for him here, but I still think it's going to be a high-scoring game. Do you guys think Justin Herbert shines in this one, or do you think he struggles? I think he shines in this one. I think they're going to take advantage of that Saints secondary. I like their wide receiver matchups against their secondary with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. Um, I I think they'll be able to run the ball. I think they're gonna be going with two backs with uh, Josh Kelly and Justin Jackson. I think they're just gonna ride the hot hand, and they've shown this year why they want they want to pound the ball, and I think they're gonna do that in this game. Now flipping sides, do you think Drew Brees struggles against the Chargers defense, or do you think he's able to figure it out? I personally think that Drew Brees will be able to figure it out. He's been around long enough, so he should be able to figure it out. Uh, he'll have Camara, which I said before, so that'll be a great help. Anyways, uh, Drew Brees, I think, will come out and figure this out because it's Drew Brees. It's what he does. As Thomas said earlier, he's a winner. I think Alvin Kamara has a big one in this one. He's looked really good the last couple of weeks. He's such a threat rushing the ball and receiving, and he's just a great safety for Drew Brees in that offense. Well, this is going to be the end of our podcast, episode number 12 here. As always, thank you for listening, and please check out our Instagram page at Mediocre Sport Opinions. And make sure to like and comment on our post. We appreciate your guys' feedback. And if you ever have any suggestions for what you'd want to see on the show or any segment you'd like, we would really appreciate the feedback. And always, and as always, your opinion doesn't matter. Yes, it does.